This is a free download from Delancey Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Eden Church building at the Banks St. Thompson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelen.co.uk. scripture that you kind of wonder why on earth that's got to do with Easter uh, but it, it, I want to talk about the red heifer uh, anybody ever heard or thought much about or thought much about red but I think it's an incredible picture of Easter so I'm going to read just two scriptures uh, Hebrews 9 13 to 14. It says, For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the appearing of the flesh. How much more the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, Hebrews, sorry, Numbers 19. How many have never read Numbers on Easter? How many have ever read Numbers at all? <laughs> numbers, just 19 and just... Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, This is the ordinance which the Lord has commanded saying, Speak to the children of Israel that I might bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there's no defect, and which a yoke has never come. You shall give it to Elisa, the priest, that he may take it outside the camp, and it will be slaughtered before him. And Elisa, the priest, shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of meetings. Then the heifer shall be burnt in the sight, its hide, its flesh, its blood, its offal shall be burnt. And the priest shall take the cedar wood and hyssop, scarlet, and cast them into the midst of the burning heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes, he shall bathe in water, and afterwards he shall come into the camp and shall be unclean until evening. Verse 11, just go down there to verse 11. He who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. I'm so glad this morning that... uh, that God kind of cancels often the issues, I think. Uh, often things, things happen in our life that we're not even aware of or even planned for. And the thing I love about God is already planned beforehand for the issues and the solution for the issues even before the issues themselves have ever happened. Isn't that amazing? You, know, you never surprise God. It's not like saying, God, 
what's happened to that? I don't know why this situation, why this issue's happened. God says, you know what? I'm taken by as much surprise you. I didn't know that was going to happen either. You know, God has already provided the solution. That's just amazing. That's such an incredible truth. And here we read this story about the red heifer, if you like. According to the Levitical law, if a priest touched something that was dead, he became unclean. And I just love this fact, and this is what strikes me. That God already made a solution for that problem. He already provided the answer for that situation right there. Let me just talk a little bit about this red heifer. A red heifer basically was a cow that had not yet had a calf. And it was something very, very special. You know what? As I was reading about this, only, there was only 10 red heifers in, in 700 years. 10. Think about it. Only 10 red heifers in 700 years. That's the incredible thing. It was such an amazing event when, when one was born. It was something that, it was valuable because it wasn't very common. Have you noticed that when something becomes really, really common, it loses its value? The value of something is often based on the fact that, the, that, that, that it's, it's limited. I have to admit this, when I was young, I used to collect stamps. Sorry to admit that, I know it sounds a bit boring, but I, really, I used to love collecting stamps. Don't ask me why, but I did. And the most expensive stamps were those who came, what they call, from a limited edition. If there were millions and millions and millions of them, I was always hoping I'd get that special limited stamp, you know, that one that was worth that bit of money. But the trouble was, all the stamps I had, there were millions and millions and millions of them in circulation, so they wasn't worth anything. But the more rare something is, the more valuable it becomes. And so this red heifer was, if you like, a limited addition. And they had to be very careful how they raised it. You know, it couldn't just uh, throw in the field and do what it liked. It, was a, it had to be raised a special way. They had to make sure there was no blemish, no spots, no affliction, no lameness. It actually had to be perfect. Nobody, we're told, could sit on it. Nobody could... It couldn't just be something you offered that really didn't really matter very much. It was special. It was unique. It was something valuable, something of worth. Something that had to be given to God. Now, that's a, a, just right there, something that should challenge us. We can't give to God our leftovers. We can't often give to God that which really doesn't, want to, that doesn't really matter to us. It's almost the idea, well, I haven't got... I want to kill a few minutes, so I'll just spend some time with God. And often we can, God says that we need to give him that which is often valuable and important to us. That which we, we recognize as that sacrifice that we give to him. I remember General Booth, he tells an amazing story. When his children, his children like are in the bath. I suppose most kids have boats and things like that. His kids had an ark. Uh, and so his children were playing with this ark. And so they, they suddenly realized, well, what should we give for the sacrifice? And he tells a story that they took one of the toy animals and said, well, that one's got a leg missing and it's, you know, it's, it's all marked and scarred. Let's give that as a sacrifice because we don't want that anyway. 
And he says the moment he heard that, he says almost that's the cry of so many Christians. We give to God that which we don't want anyway. And the truth is God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants that which really is special and important to us. And so this red heifer, we're told this red heifer, that when they brought the red heifer, they had to bring cedar wood, hyssop, and red scarlet wood. And then they would burn this, they would burn this red heifer with the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet wool. And the Bible says he was burned outside the camp and not in it. Now, here's what to see, really. When I think of this red heifer, it really, really points to Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. You know, I know sometimes we have to look at the Old Testament, we can often see that as very boring. But you know, the truth is, every single thing in this Old Testament points to Jesus. It's a shadow of what Jesus would do and what Jesus would achieve. That's the shadow. Aren't you glad we live in the very substance of it today? And so this red heifer really is an amazing picture of Jesus. Think about it. Number, the first thing is Jesus is rare and precious. He's the most precious thing you could ever know. And I think it's such a blessing to know who Jesus is. He is so precious. It's so wonderful to know him in a personal way. Is that right? It's so incredible. It's so awesome to have a precious relationship with him. And God has allowed you to recognize and know how precious Jesus is. And we're told this heifer was spotless. It's a picture of Jesus, who is the spotless Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. No body on his body was broken. We're told that no body could ride on, 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 on that effort. No one was allowed to ride it. And it's a picture of Jesus. If you like, the Bible says there was no guile found in him. He was not bound to anything. He lived in total and utter freedom. But the effort was brought to the priest and he was declared to be without blemish. And the Bible says that Jesus was brought before the priest. Seven times they tried to kill him. But God wanted to offer him as a, a sacrifice, not one who would be murdered or executed. And in order for him to meet the criteria, Jesus had to go through rigorous examination. Christ had to be examined by the priests and the scribes and finally by the Roman Empire. And Pilate says these words, I find no fault in him. In other words, he is without blemish. There's no fault in him. And he said, who do you decide? Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? And the moment they cried for Barabbas, the high priest nodded his head and it went from an execution to a sacrifice think about the red heifer it was a burnt offering and a burnt offering was a sin offering and the Bible says Jesus became sin for us he who knew no sin became sin for us he took all the sin all the evil all the wicked all the suffering of the whole world was placed upon him on that cross and as that 
heifer was burnt with wood, Jesus had to carry the wood of the cross. He carried the, 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 the cross of Calvary and cedar wood actually was a very sweet smelling aroma when it was burnt. And the Bible says that Jesus' sacrifice was a sweet smelling savour to God. And on the cross the Bible says he thirsted. And they offered him hyssop. And when they offered him the hyssop, he fulfilled the criteria for being this red heifer sacrifice. You know, hyssop oil was an antiseptic. I'm glad today that Jesus died. All the things that can poison our lives, all the things that can ruin our lives and poison our lives, Jesus died on the cross. What about the scarlet wool? What about that? The Bible says on the cross they they, 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 they gambled for his robe. And so Jesus became a red heifer for us. He became the one that was sacrificed for our sins. Now think about this. That's what I really want to get on to this morning. When the red heifer was burned, the power of the heifer was not in its life, but the power of the red heifer was in its death. Because in a sense, it it took on a new substance. Because the power of the red heifer, actually, the sacrifice was found in the ashes. That's where the power was. It was in the ashes. In other words, it it took on one substance to become another substance. And I just love this incredible picture of Jesus. But Jesus said, I am going to come to you, in a sense, in another form. You've known me in the flesh. You've known me with you. But you are now going to come into an even greater relationship. Because no longer will I be with you, but I will be in you. Because I go to the Father, then I'm going to, if you like, come to you in another form. I'm going to come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And you're able to take me wherever you go. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be within you. How many are glad that the Holy Spirit just comes and lives within us? He, be, he, he, he reveals Jesus to us. And Jesus says, I'm going, but you're going to have something even greater. You're going to have me not just with you, you're going to have me within you. You don't need to feel lonely. You don't need to feel isolated. Because I I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to be all around you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to counsel you. I'm going to encourage you. The Holy Spirit will be the best friend you ever had. How many have found that? Oh, I'm so glad that we can commune and have this amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit. And every time the Holy Spirit works in us, he's revealing something of Jesus to us. And even in your darkest moments, you can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the the ashes of this heifer were to set us apart, to sanctify us, to, to enable us to have a close, intimate fellowship with God. There's one to see. We lose close intimate fellowship with God when we allow 
if you like, that sense of sin. I want you to go back to Hebrews. I want you to see what, what this is all about. Hebrews 9. Go back to what I just read earlier. Here's Winterson. I touched on this on, on Friday, but I want to just get a hold of it again. How much more then shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself with a spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works? In other words, I think so many people carry unresolved guilt, condemnation. They just feel full of accusation. They constantly feel so bad about the past and they never feel good enough and because they feel so bad, because they carry so much guilt, so much condemnation, so much accusation in their hearts, they can never really enjoy fellowship with God. And I believe it's good to have a healthy understanding of our failures but not to the point where we are living in constant guilt. That guilt in our conscience is the most effective way that keeps barriers up between us and God. And what he wants us to realize is what Jesus done. Sometimes we're so focused on what we've done, we lose sight of what Jesus has done. And we need to see the ashes, we need to see the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. Now here's what happens. If you never deal with that guilty conscience in your heart, you serve God in the wrong way. You serve him with wrong motives. You try to be formed for God, to make up for things, to ease your conscience. And you begin to do things with a wrong motive and a wrong heart. And the Bible says when you do that, it's dead works. Cleanse from dead works. How many people are doing things just to ease their conscience? Doing things with a right, wrong heart, a wrong motive, because they're doing things out of guilt, out of condemnation, and the Bible says when you do it out of guilt, out of condemnation, then it becomes a dead work. It's never honoured. It's never blessed by God because of why you are doing it. Sometimes we can live a kind of, I think, a very performance-based Christianity. We're doing things to try and earn merits with God. And the Bible says that becomes a dead work. It becomes a performance because you've never realized that everything you do and everything you've achieved is only because of what Jesus has done by his blood. Can you say amen? Now go back again to Numbers. We're told that this sacrifice had to be burnt. Had to be burnt. Burn the whole sacrifice. You can't really know the Lord and sometimes you've been through fire. The Bible says, you know in the power of resurrection, and the only way you can know in the power of resurrection is when you've known him in the power of his suffering. There's something about going through a hard time that will teach you things about God that you never knew before. Because when you go through the fire, you have a personal experience that no one can take away from you. How many have found that? That it's during the hard times, during the difficult times, you really had an encounter with God. God really met you. God really touched you. Because when people pull away, God pulls in. And here's what, the, what this beautiful picture is. Jesus says, if you would suffer with me, then you begin to learn to reign with me. You know what I found? I think that 
God says, if you would learn to praise me in the tough times, then when you get to the good times, you can ask what, whatever you want. And I think one of the reasons why some of us are going to be blessed is because you praised him through the tough times. You praised him through the agony. You praised him through the struggles. And he says, because you had that attitude in your life, you're going to see me do some amazing, incredible things in your life. God says, the miracle of the heifer is in the ashes. I want you to see something. You know, I found more and more, often the miracle in our lives is not what we have left when the fire stopped. The miracle of our lives is not what we lose, it's what we have left when the fire stops burning. That's an incredible truth. Because God doesn't perform miracles through what you lose. It was the widow stopped the famine with what she had. 5,000 were fed with the little they had left. And the miracle is not what you had left behind. It's not what you left. The miracle is what you have left when that hits situation, when the fire hits your life. I want to just get a hold of this because... Often people who are constantly looking what they've got left look forward. People who look to what they've lost begin to look back. Are we today a people who are always looking back or do you look forward to what you have left? If you're looking back, you're like a priest who's touching what has died. I think a lot of people live by by, by living their life, by touching dead things. Regret, disappointments, things that might have been, resentments, all those things are dead things. And it's those dead things that begin to affect our lives. You think about things that are over, things that are in your past, other things that you are weeping about, things that you're going back, the things that you keep going over and over again, your history begins to affect your destiny. And God says, every time you touch something that's really dead, it robs you of your power, it robs you of your effectiveness, it it robs you of all that God wants to do in your life. And it's so easy to spend our lives handling dead things. It's the dead things that take our joy. It's the dead things that take our peace. It's the dead things that take our power. It's the dead things that stop our effectiveness. That unforgiveness that we hold on to is dead. That envy, all the things that that really of our our yesterday, of our past, rob us of our peace, they disturb our mind, and it's really like a priest that's going and touching dead things. So much of our lives can be like that, just touching something that actually is over and finished. I wonder how many people today are so controlled by their past, they can never enjoy the now and the blessings that God has for their life. And the Bible says, if a priest touches something that's dead, then they take the ashes and they purify themselves from the dead things they've touched. Bring your failures. Bring your mistakes. Bring your disappointments. 
Bring those things of your past. Bring them to the cross and learn to leave them there. You know what the other thing can be? It can be seasons in our life. We're trying to hold on to something that actually is over and finished. Seasons in our life. We go through seasons in life. Sometimes we hold on to the good and lose the better. We don't want to let go of things. In other words, we have this sort of sense that we want to cleave to things. Cleave to dead things. Things that really God has said, that's finished now in your life. This is a new season. This is a new beginning. God is a God of new things. The old is gone. The new has begun. And he says, stop holding on to things that I've said are dead. Stop holding on to the seasons that are over and finished. Come into the new things I have for you. You'll never come into the new thing if you're still holding on to the old things. And I think there's certain things we need to say, Lord, I'm bringing that to the cross. I've been living in the power of my past for a long time. I've been living by the power of that mistake that's held my life and gripped my life and I've never really dealt with it. I'm constantly looking back to to the way things could have been. If only I wouldn't have done that. If only I wouldn't have said that. If only that would have been different. And so we live our life full of regret. If only I would have said that. If only I would have done this. If only I would have responded this way. Regret holds you back. It's something, as far as God is concerned, is finished. It is dead. Why are you touching Holding on to dead things. Guilt, all these things, condemnation, all those are often the result that we've never really come to the cross and said, Lord, I really need to bring that under your blood today. I need to deal with it. I need to deal with that mistake. I need to deal with that bad decision I made. I need to deal with with that that way I responded over that. And I still feel guilty. I still feel condemned of the way I behaved or what I said, what I did over that. Maybe there's people that we've got to let go of. People who hurt us. People who offended us. People who, who, who cause grief to our hearts. And we've held on to that. But it's something that is dead. You've got to bring it to the cross and you've got to say, I forgive them. I release them. I refuse to allow that any longer to hold and grip my life. I'm going to loose it once and for all. That is the place that God wants you to come. That's what the red heifer, that's what the ashes are all about. The things that will cleanse us where we've been living and holding onto dead things. Things that ultimately hinder us and hold us back for all that God has got for us. I just think of that resurrection morning. Do you think of that day? And I think of Mary. She thought firstly that Jesus was the gardener. Then when she realized who he is, the Bible says she clung to him. And she wouldn't let go of him. And he said, Jesus said to her, let go of me, Mary. Because that Jesus that you knew He's now risen alive. He's got to go to the Father. He's got to ascend to the Father. Stop clinging and cleaving to what is past. And I think sometimes that can be such a powerful... Paul says this, we, we, we leave behind the things of the past and we move on and move forward. 
And I think there needs to become a clear mark in our lives. We're saying, God, I'm turning away from that once and for all. I'm confessing it. I'm pulling under the blood and I'm never going back to it ever again. I'm not going to keep touching what you have said is dead. That which condemns me. That which makes me feel guilty. And I'm living in the power of guilt and condemnation so I've never truly come to a place of true forgiveness and true liberty and true freedom. And there's something else to say. Some things that we've allowed to die in our lives that should never have died. In other words, things that were there that God actually says, I want to You should never have allowed that to die. It could be a dream that you allowed to die in your life. It could be some purpose that God has for your life. It could be something that God wanted wanted to do with you. It may be you've been praying for a loved one and you've given up praying for that loved one. It could be a vision that once used to burn in your heart, a deep vision used to burn in you and, and grip your life, but you allowed that vision to die. And things have piled up and you wonder how that dream, how that vision, how that call that God put on your life can ever come to pass. You've allowed it to die. Often said, you know in Amazing Met Children, they can dream for the most amazing things. Have you thought about that? You know, I remember our young ones, May mentioned before, you know, Lydia, for example, she wanted to be Prime Minister. She wanted to be over the United Nations. And it's amazing the dreams that children can have. It's amazing. The older we get, the more we, we don't feel we can ever achieve those things. We've lost the ability to dream. We've lost the ability to believe that God can do great things with our lives. And God says, in the light of the resurrection, I can put my resurrection power on it. That which you've allowed to die in your heart, that which you've, you've lost sight of, that's what you've lost, your, your vision and your dream and, and the purpose and those things God put in you and you've lost it. God says, bring it under my resurrection power. Let me allow it to live again. Let me allow it to come alive in your heart. Let me allow it to, 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 to have resurrection power on it again. What has died by the resurrection power of Jesus can really, really come to life again. Let it burn in you. Let it stir in you. Let it come to life again in your life. So think today on that red heifer. Jesus, the one that took all our sin. All our messes, all our mistakes, all our failure. Jesus died for it all. And now he lives. He's alive. Jesus is alive. And he wants you to know the continual reality of resurrection power. I just love this Father. Every day I can know Jesus has been alive in my life. I can know his presence. I can know his resurrection power in me. The Bible says he quickens our mortal bodies. That resurrection power works in us and stirs us and moves in us, lives in us. That means there's no circumstance, no situation that is too big for Jesus to handle. Can you say amen? Because his resurrection power, because the greatest 
power ever demonstrated was when God raised Jesus from the dead. It's the greatest power. Greater than even the creation of the whole universe. And the Bible says that same power that raised Christ from the dead, you know where it's working now? It's now working in you. The issue is, really, is whether you really believe it or not. Whether you believe it. Whether you really believe in the resurrected power of Jesus. Or whether you believe more in your past, more in your failure, more in the lies and the accusations of the enemy, or you believe in the resurrected power of Jesus. He's alive. And I'm so glad every day I wake, I can know his resurrected presence in my life. Remember the great hymn years ago they used to sing? You ask me how I know he lives. He lives where? Within my heart. And you know what God wants? He wants us to take his resurrection power and he wants us to manifest it in all our everyday situations, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities. He wants us to take his resurrection power and he wants to work it through us. He wants people to see that Jesus is alive through you and me. Jesus says, you in a sense will be proof that I'm alive. You go into all the world, you are the proof producers that I really am alive. And your life and my life is the evidence that should prove that Jesus is alive. The way we act, the way we live, the way we, our attitudes, our conversation, our very lives are meant to flow and demonstrate the resurrected power of Jesus. Because that's where he is. He's right there in our heart, living in us. There in his power, his anointing, his presence, right there in us. The problem is we've got to really know it in our hearts. It's got to be there, that reality. Jesus is alive. And when I'm going to work, I'm taking Jesus with me. When I go into my home, I'm taking Jesus with me. When I'm facing that problem, I'm taking Jesus with me to face that problem. When I'm facing that heartbreaking situation, Jesus is there with me. When everything's falling apart around me, Jesus is there with me. Every moment of my life, Jesus is there. That is so amazing way to live your life. It's such joy, such peace when you live with a burning reality of Jesus Christ and his resurrection power, the red effer, the ashes that reveal to us the work and the purpose of the living Christ. Let's just come before him now in these moments. Just open your heart today, Lord, say thank you that you became that precious Lamb of God that could find no fault with you no error. There was no, no mark, no blemish, no fault they could find with him. He was the perfect Lamb of God. Yet as being the perfect Lamb of God, he who didn't know sin, he became sin. He took all your failures, all your mistakes, all your sin, and he took it on the cross. And he died 
on that cross for every single fault and mistake and blemish of our lives. But the grave could not hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And, and on the third day, he rose again. And now he lives forevermore. He's alive to just come into your life and transform your life and change your life. Just maybe in these moments, say, Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you're alive today. And maybe you feel today you've the stuff in you that you want to just deal with right now. You've been living under the guilt of it, the condemnation of it, the, the fear of it, the accusation of it. And Jesus wants you right now to bring it to the cross. And say, Lord, I'm bringing it to the cross right now. And I'm receiving your forgiveness and I'm receiving your cleansing power. Maybe you've never known the resurrected power of Jesus. Never known the fact he's alive. And you can, right now, allow him to come inside your heart to change and to transform your life forever. If you've never done that, then you just, you just pray this simple prayer after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I realize you became a sacrifice for me. You died for all my sin, all my failure, all my mistakes. And I recognize I've sinned, I recognize I've failed. And I ask you now to forgive me and to cleanse me by your blood. And I invite you now to come and live in my heart. Be my Saviour and be my Lord. Amen. And now, right now, maybe you, you just want to say, Lord, I'm just releasing all that stuff right now. All that guilt, all that stuff I've held on to. I, I bring it before your cross. I'm no longer going to live my life touching something that is dead. I want to live with your power and your life and your resurrection. Just bring it right now. Just leave it at the cross. Just walk away. So Lord, I'm leaving it there and letting the blood of Jesus cleanse me. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that perfect sacrifice today. But Lord, we thank you for this, this incredible truth that, that you're not dead, that you're alive. The grave couldn't hold you. You live, you're alive. And we thank you now that we can not just know you as a man of history, but we can know your reality right now in our lives and we can know your living presence. And Lord, we pray that this Easter, Lord, we want to carry that living presence wherever we go, wherever situations we're in, we want to take and carry the living presence of Jesus. For we ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Tune in, download from Let's Church. For more downloads, information, all the songs that you visit our website, the lotsinleader.co.uk.